Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey everybody, it's Erin Carey, and in today's solo episode, I'm going to be digging specifically into bipolar disorder and some helpful tools that will help manage your mood stability. But let's be honest, during times of intense stress or change, all of us need to be sure that we are managing our mental health well. So just because I mention words like depression or hypomania doesn't mean that this will not apply to anyone who doesn't have a pre-existing diagnosable mental illness. Many of us are reaching breaking point during this COVID-19 pandemic, diagnosis or not. So let's dive into some personal stories of friends of mine, some survivors, along with some suggested solutions that again, I think will be beneficial for everybody. Let's talk about hypomania first. There is no amount of sugar or substance that can make my brain buzz the way a dose of hypomania can. The ideas, the thoughts, and the life that course through my head, all those are amplified in a time of crisis or extreme change. Being thrown off my daily routine or sleep schedule is a risk to my mental health. So throwing me into a global pandemic and giving me access to information 24-7 can really shake things up. I find myself hopping around from medical research sites to conspiracy theory groups to political commentaries, and I read over all the comments and opinions. However, I am an excellent mimic. In order to manage my symptoms early on, I found a way to adapt to acceptable behavior and commentary so I wouldn't have to stand stand out any more than my buzzing brain could allow. I know what I shouldn't voice in public or on social media at risk of anyone thinking I am crazy the C-word accusation being one of my biggest threats. I fear other people's opinions of me more than the average person because deep down inside, I know that my brain functions differently from everyone else's. And that's pretty scary. So I turn inward, I obsess, I research some more, and I head down rabbit hole after rabbit hole at the expense of my sanity. At first, the racing thoughts and buzz are a high and they fuel me and energize me. At some point though, my brain reaches breaking point and I have to make it stop. I've been down these roads long enough to know where they end in verbal explosions or in heavy medication to make me shut it all off. So I fight. I maintain my mind by shutting off my triggers. I stop researching. I stop listening and reading to anything that will throw me into a black hole of information. And that's really, really hard to do because as you know, I'm on social media a lot for my own business. I take naps. I go to sleep early. I am fortunate. I will say that I've never struggled with sleep. I can always breathe myself to sleep in for four seconds, hold for seven seconds and out for eight seconds. I burn off the energy through heavy exercise. If I feel that jittery feeling in the morning when I wake up, I have to go do something to burn that off. I write, I dig into my feelings and I name what is going on instead of escaping through obsessive behaviors. 
But the thing about bipolar disorder is that it manifests differently in everyone. Everyone struggles in a unique way and everyone has different triggers. So recently I reached out just on Facebook and asked my public Facebook page, if anyone has ever been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, reach out to me. I have some questions for you. And I was actually surprised, you guys. There are a lot of people who have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and you would never know it. There are so many of us out there and we don't publicly share. Not everybody publicly, publicly shares like I do. So here are a few stories of other people who are struggling. And I think it's really important to share these because again, you never know who's suffering and you never know who, who needs extra support. So one of my friends, who was diagnosed in 2010, recently told me that self-awareness has been key for him in managing this roller coaster ride. He compared his moods to taking a road trip. And similar to me, he does find himself getting wound up by all the different articles and access to information. He says, it's like driving on the interstate with a speed limit at 75. It's not a good idea to drive 95 and it's not a good idea to drive 30. It's not safe for me or anyone around me. You need to tap the brakes or put pressure on the accelerator. When I'm down, I have to find ways to put pressure on the gas. I have to accomplish something to get me going. Instead of staying in bed, I get out, I plant the two tomato plants I've had waiting for me to be planted, and I just consciously place one foot in front of the other. On the other hand, when I find myself at the speed limit of 85, I need to find ways to tap the brakes. One thing would be closing tabs on the computer. Typically when I'm going too fast, there is a lot of multitasking going on, and that puts me in danger of crashing. Natural disasters and politics fuel me. Hitting do not disturb on the devices or taking a bite of one of my meds takes the edge off so I can take a nap. There is so much power under the hood of, his, of this car. This is still him talking, not me. The trick is to harness the horsepower of the upside for the good of others and the glory of God. Currently, one of the things I'm doing to harness this energy is to provide support for a family in need by rallying mutual acquaintances and starting a donation fund for them. That is one account from a male friend. A female friend of mine is having the opposite experience. She is struggling with her new routine and finding herself feeling, she says, crazy depressed. Another friend is coping by staying on her meds, but she is drinking more alcohol than usual. And if she is motivated enough, she will try to take a walk. A pastor friend of mine, Thad, sent me these words related to how he is coping. Lori and I try to keep life as normal as possible and laugh a lot with the kids. I'm rapid cycling more frequently these days. I'm certain it's related to our pandemic. Staying attentive to rhythms like therapy, daily meditation, mood tracking, exercising, and a filtered mental intake have provided helpful boundaries to my extreme highs and lows. To be honest, the one thing that has stabilized me most when facing fear, anxiety, overfunctioning, and overthinking has been to apply the radical acceptance to the unconditional and faithful love of God for me and our world. I thought that, that was really good. One of the things that stood out to me as I was reading, reaching out to different friends who suffer is that not everyone has created healthy coping mechanisms in order to maintain mental health during times of intense stress and uncertainty. It is something that takes time and in many cases, trial and error, unfortunately. I can attest to that, <laughs> lots of trial and lots of error. The depression end of the spectrum seems to be more solution-based. And what I mean by that is that nobody likes feeling depressed. Everyone would love a way to snap out of a low and get better. But when you're hypomanic or full-blown manic, it feels good. Why would you want to slow down when everything is right with the world in a state of mania? 
Not many people in a manic episode seek out ways to get better because they already feel so great. That is so important for people who don't understand bipolar disorder. I think that that is so important to understand. But despite the perceived benefits, feelings of hypomania are a danger signal to me. When my thoughts start bouncing around in my head like a pinball machine, I know that that might not be the best thing for me. It feels good to have such perceived mental clarity, but it really is a matter of time before things spin out of control and a crash is inevitable. So all that to say, I've compiled a list of my favorite tools for finding stability during times of major stress or life change. Before I list them, here's the caveat. These tools are not always effective in the middle of a full-fledged episode. It is really hard, pretty much impossible, to tell someone who cannot physically get out of bed due to depression, oh, you should just lace up your shoes and go outside. Why are you just laying there? Or try telling someone who's manic, just slow down and go to sleep. It doesn't work like that. These are physical illnesses that affect physical function. Our brains are not capable of telling our bodies to do what our bodies need to do. It just doesn't work in that way. This is why we have to be on the offense and employ these tools that I'm about to share regularly during times of stability so that they are habitual and instinctual. However, the sooner we can tighten up these strategies at the beginning of the roller coaster climb or at the beginning of the dip downward, the better off we will be. That took me such a long time to understand because when I was feeling hypomanic, again, I did not want that feeling to end. And at the beginning of a depression, I just thought, oh, I'll be fine in a little bit. But it's really key to catch these things at the beginning or there's no turning back and it really can be a life or death situation. So my number one tool I have learned for all of this is self-awareness. I have to be able to catch the roller coaster when it begins the slow climb, not when it's at the top. So I will constantly check in and ask myself, have I been doing too much? Am I on social media too much? Am I spending a significant amount of time researching and going down all these rabbit holes? Am I spending too much time on PubMed? Because <laughs> that's kind of a trap for me. Am I going to bed at regular times or am I staying up thinking and planning? What are the healthy behaviors that I'm engaging in? I also ask people around me to help. My mom has always been good at catching the changes in my speech patterns, which is also a sign. I will start talking really fast and start going a million miles an hour, which yes, part of that could be my personality. And again, it's always hard to distinguish what's my illness, what's my personality. But if I'm racing at a quicker pace than usual, it's a sign. I have to allow other people to speak into my behavior as frustrating as it seems. And I have to do it before things get too bad. So that means knowing personal triggers, the ones I mentioned above. One of my friends, the one with the car analogy that I loved, told me that politics and natural disasters can really get his head spinning. He has to be careful about obsessing over those areas. So I'm the same way, but with social injustice. Whether it's racial, medical-related, human trafficking, anything where I feel the rights are being taken away from people, that fires me up and sends me down all kinds of black holes. That's when I need to close the tabs in my brain and shut things down. Routine is the next tool. My friend Rebecca said she is maintaining her health for the most part because she is an essential worker, and she's able to continue with her routine. 
I think that is so huge. Routine is crucial for those of us who are bipolar, really for any of us who struggle with mental illness. And I think just for the majority of people, routine is healthy. This is why stressful events or change are so detrimental. So what happens when you're thrown off your routine? Create a new one and be consistent. I'll give you an example. Lately, I wake up anytime from seven to eight in the morning. Pre-pandemic, I was kind of trying to get in the habit of waking up earlier than my kids for some alone time, but currently my need for sleep is greater than my need for alone time, as crazy as that may sound when I say it out loud. I make coffee, I open up my Bible and I journal before I open up my phone, more on the social media trap in a minute, but lately I've had a lot of unnatural jittery energy, so I harness that in the form of a workout of some kind in the first part of the day. I actually really look forward to my Bible reading and my workouts because they've become staples to my new routine. They're foundational. I can't leave to meet with clients right now. I can't get out and have some alone time or work in the quiet of a library or a Starbucks or whatever. So I typically have online meetings, podcast interviews, or I will try to get some writing in during the afternoon when my littlest is napping and it's a little bit quieter than usual. We start dinner early, maybe 4.30 or 5, and we've been planning a lot of fun meals to cook at home. So that's another way to harness that energy that I have is fun meal planning. At night, we watch something funny and simple so as not to get my mind going into dark places. My dreams have been louder than usual, which is not great for me. And I'm hearing from a lot of people that sleep is um, kind of kind of hard for many of us, whether we have an illness or not. And there's something about anxiety and insomnia that is really going on right now for a lot of people. Similarly, another friend of mine who I'm keeping anonymous said that even if she's doing something silly, like taking the trash out at the same time every day or checking the mail the same time every day, if she has a list of things to do to keep herself and her mind occupied, then she does much better. And here's another like star this part. If you were, you know, like if if this was written out, I would be bolding this next statement that I'm about to say. Something that's really, really important for routine for so many people is medication. A pandemic or stressful period is not a time to try going off of meds. Repeat after me. This is not a time to go off your meds. It is not a time to think, oh, I'm fine. I don't need my meds. No. Not a good idea. This is never a good idea. Tapering off meds is only a good idea under doctor supervision and in my opinion and experience during a time of stability in work, home life, health, world events, etc. Along with that, I don't believe adding in or taking away helpful nutritional supplements is a good idea during this time as well. You know that I'm a huge fan of supplementation and they've been instrumental in restoring balance to my body, but this is really not a time to shake things up. You want to keep your routine as normal as possible. Sleep. Let's talk about sleep. You know I love to talk about sleep. This is another really important tool. A predictive sleep schedule will help balance circadian rhythm function. Dysregulation in circadian rhythm and bipolar disorder is well documented in scientific studies, and it is a constant struggle to find sleep with a racing mind. Lack of sleep leads to more racing thoughts, which leads to a greater lack of sleep. As we often say about babies while sleep training, or I said this, I don't know if y'all said this, sleep begets sleep. And that is so true in fighting off mania. Napping is also helpful, but I have to be careful because if I nap during the day, sometimes it will be harder for me to fall asleep at night. 
I only drink caffeine in the morning because I don't want anything to interfere with my night's sleep. And for some people, not having caffeine at all could be really helpful in help in dealing with the mania, hypomania. Getting some sun during the day, if possible, can also help prepare my body for sleep at night because many of us are spending more time on screens than we were before. Wearing blue light blocking glasses can be really helpful for our mood stability. Blue light blocks melatonin production, and because melatonin production and serotonin production are so closely linked, excessive blue light isn't helpful for mood health. So the next tool for me is kind of something I've already mentioned, is movement. Whether I am on the upside or the downside, I have to get my body moving. This is another tool that's well-documented in research, but again, it's something that you have to be making a habit during the times of stability, because that's really what's going to help push you through during these times of instability. What I find so interesting about movement is that it doesn't only give me a dopamine rush when I'm down, but it calms the beast of hypomania when I'm feeling more alert and having more racing thoughts than usual. Yoga and breath work are soothing for my vagus nerve. But getting my heart rate up through a long run or cardio workout have a similar soothing effect to my noisy thoughts. I know that this is a struggle for so many people. And, you know, like one of my friends said before, she's just, she can't even be motivated to put on her shoes and go outside. And, you know, people don't want to take the time and really can't figure out where to get started. But there are so many apps and programs to make this doable at home, even with little kids running around and stepping outside in your neighborhood is the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, easier said than done, but I don't always do it because I want to. I do it because it truly is a matter of sickness or health for me. And it isn't just about me. It's about taking care of myself for the people in my life that I need to take care of. So if movement helps balance my mind, I will do it even when it's hard to feel motivated. And so again, this is one of those tools you want to employ before we are in the middle of a pandemic. But you know, if you aren't doing any form of movement, I really encourage you to just try and and see what it does and just run an experiment. See how your brain feels before, see how your brain feels afterwards. Now, engaging in some kind of creative outlet is another thing on my list. This is another thing that helps me. Allowing my brain to get lost in a fiction book slows my heart rate and calms my mind. This has been a go-to tool for me since I was little before I even knew what it was doing and how beneficial it was. I always feel safer when I'm experiencing another world through literature, whether it's the stories I write and create or someone else's. For others, maybe it's painting or coloring or crafting. I feel my heart rate slow down, as I already mentioned. My breathing becomes more steady and rhythmic and everything in my body relaxes when I'm reading. Watching movies or series on a streaming service doesn't have the same calming effect. I think in many cases it can be overstimulating, especially if you have those news alerts or ads popping up. And as I mentioned, I'm kind of trying to avoid those. Nutrition. Let's talk about nutrition because we know that this is an important tool. I've already mentioned I'm sensitive to caffeine, but I'm also sensitive to a sugar overload, whether in the form of sweets or alcohol-related sugar. And I know many of us are probably drinking a little bit more than usual, so that's something to take into account. It affects mood and it affects sleep. Talking about sugar, not alcohol, but that also affects both. I make sure that I'm balancing my meals with enough protein, fat, and carbs. Hanger doesn't help my mood, and when I'm in a racing state, I often forget to feed myself. I try not to be too restrictive, but I include what I've found to be the most balancing for me, which 
If you haven't listened to my episode, Eating for Mental Wealth, go back, listen to that. That should be super helpful. A lot of people right now are looking down on this idea of comfort eating, but I think during times of intense change and uncertainty, we should be more gentle and gracious with ourselves when it comes to eating. In this state, nourished, fed is best. Neglecting eating, cutting out macronutrients, or just living off of sugar is not the most sustaining for anyone's mental well-being. This isn't a time to start obsessing about weight gain, though people with disordered eating issues can definitely experience flare-ups during times of intense stress. Remember, your body is always trying to protect you from famine. If you gain weight, it's because your body's doing what it's been designed to do from the beginning. Store fat in case of tragic events, like a pandemic where supplies run scarce. Chronic anxiety triggers more cortisol production, which may lead to more fat storage. It is okay. Don't get caught up in food fear. Ask yourself, what can I eat today that will nourish my brain health? Some of my favorite brain foods are blueberries, leafy greens, eggs. Make sure to include the yolk. That is the best part for brain health. Avocados, grass-fed beef, broccoli, and sardines. Now, don't freak out when I say the word sardines. If you like tuna, you will love sardines. I know it sounds weird, but they're less fishy tasting and they're perfect mixed with a little mayo. I love the chipotle lime flavor from Primal Kitchen, some Dijon mustard, lemon pepper, and a few banana peppers for some spice. Seriously, try it and you might like it. It's great for omega-3s and for your brain. The next tool. This one is so important for me, you guys, so important, and I fail probably every day, but monitoring your use of social media is so huge. There are many articles out there, opinions, videos, everybody's sharing something right now. These can trigger a heightened stress and anxiety response in the body. When cortisol is firing out at a rapid pace, the brain goes into fight or flight and it becomes really difficult to access the prefrontal cortex, which is where we activate empathy, proper decision-making, and that's how we connect with other humans. I've learned the hard way that I need to limit my time on social media, and I have completely stopped clicking on every gloom and doom article that is posted, including reading the comments. I ask my husband to keep the news off when I'm in the room and to only update me on a need-to-know basis. As I mentioned before, I can get really wrapped up in social justice, and because I'm a bit of a rebel and I don't like being told what to do, I can really get caught up in fringe or underground movements that seek to go against the status quo. The last thing, and the most important, is finding ways to connect to other human beings. Some may argue that healthy social connections and relationships are the number one most important tool for health and longevity. Loneliness is a sickness that has been studied to be just as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. During time periods where we are forced to be isolated, as in this time of social distance, it is more important than ever to find ways to connect with other people, maybe through FaceTime or Zoom or any of the latest face-to-face technology. If you see a counselor regularly, like I do, and I hope you do as well, especially if you are diagnosed with a mental illness, increasing appointment frequency or continuing that schedule as usual is so helpful. How many times have I said the word helpful? I feel like I keep saying it over and over again, but (laughs) really it's important. It is crucial. Making sure to connect with the people you are closest to, the people in your support team is mandatory. That's my list. Now, 
that list could probably go on and on. And I'm sure that there's something that I'm forgetting. And like, even now as I'm wrapping it up, I'm like, huh, what did I leave off there? If I'm forgetting something, if there's something that has been really helpful for you, send me an email. Let me know what you're doing to cope during doing you're doing to cope during this pandemic. Stay safe. You guys take care of your brain. You are not stuck with a broken brain. There are so many tools for healing and I hope, and I pray that you can find whatever works for you. There is no one size fits all, but we all get the opportunity to pursue true wellness. Share this podcast episode with a friend, pay it forward, and I will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.